We're going to be in Psalm number 19 today. Psalm number 19. You know your vision affects the way you see the world around you? I know that's an easy thing to say up here, you know, because I'm, I'm wearing glasses and half of us are wearing glasses. But, you know, when I worked at a power plant in Georgia, uh, we had real good insurance. And I, I mean good insurance. I'm talking about you go to the doctor's office and they look down and they saw that insurance name. And they said, oh, oh, don't sit there with everybody else. Here, come on over here. Would you like a soda or anything? Or <laughs> It wasn't really like that, but it sure felt like it sometimes. We had good insurance. But uh, LASIK, that LASIK eye surgery had, was just coming out back then. And uh, it was about... Well, it was about 2000, I guess, uh, 1999, 2000, 2001. But LASIK eye surgery was just coming out. And uh, one guy that I worked with out at the plant there, he, don't get nervous, we're going to talk Bible today. One guy that I worked out at the plant with, he had uh, what you would call Coke bottle glasses. You know, and you remember... You know, I remember back when I was a kid, my mom worked at the dentist office and they had them Coke bottles in the back for deposit, for return. They made those things stout because they wanted it. You know, they didn't want to make new ones all the time. And uh, he lifted up and looked through it. Man, that thing was like that thick. And it seemed like his, you know, they might not have been that thick, but he had some thick glasses. And he went in for that laser eye surgery and we had our console where you watch all the readings and everything. You know, before he always sat in front of her, had to walk across the room to read it. We're standing watch one night. Watch. We were on shift one night. I'm getting my places mixed up. We were on shift one night, and uh, I was sitting in front of the console, and I was learning how to operate. And uh, it starts beeping, and he's sitting across the room on the computer on the other side. And I look back at him, and he looks back over his shoulder from across the room. Oh, no, that one's all right. Just clear it. And I'm like, because if I scooted back two feet, I wouldn't be able to see, you know. And it's amazing how when you got the right set of glasses or when you got the right vision, how much better things are. And uh, we're going to be looking at Psalm 19 today. And in Psalm 19, this sermon today is about getting the right vision. When we think about the things of God, there's some, some people that trip up. They see the Bible as just a bunch of stories, or some people see it as a bunch of rules that they got to live by. Some people see it as different things. But I just want to use Psalm 19 today. We're going to be going through all 14 verses, but uh, to adjust your vision. Let's read through it. The heavens declare the glory of God. And the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line is gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun, which is a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, and rejoiceth as a strong man to run a race. His going forth is from the end of heaven, and his circuit unto the ends of it. And there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, 
making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Keep thy servant back also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright, and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Let let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. He said, it starts out, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his hand we work. As we, as we look at this passage, there's three things that I want you to see. As we, as we look at this passage, it, it, it's ways to look at God. When we look at the world, we should, see God's, we should see God's work that he's done in his world, the work that he's done in the word, and the work that he can do in you. It says, the heavens declare the glory of God. You know, growing up in Texas City, I had a, I had a book called Our Universe, I know what it is because Caleb found it at Goodwill one time and he bought it. I pulled it out just to remember it. But, you know, I used to look at that book and it had the space shuttle in there and it had the astronauts in there and it had the planets in there. And, boy, I'd flip through there and it's like, man, look at all the stars there. And I wanted a telescope, you know. I was an only child, so I usually got what I wanted for Christmas. But uh, I got I, I got a telescope for Christmas, and I remember setting it up in Texas City. Now, if you lived here long enough, you know Texas City has about three or four chemical plants in it, refineries. And, uh, you know, I grew up there. I didn't know any better. But growing up in Texas City there, and I set out that, I set that uh, telescope out on the porch, and I looked up at the sky. And I looked down at that book. And I looked up at the sky, and I looked down at that book. And I said, something's different. And, you know, in Texas City, every now and then you can catch the North Star. And you can see the moon on a good night. But you can't see much else. You know, so you, I remember looking out there at the telescope and I went back in. I told my dad, I said, I could see the moon. I'll never forget what he said as he was watching TV. He said, is it still there? I thought he might want to at least look at the bumps. Maybe we could see where the rover went. Well, I can see the moon. But when we moved to Georgia, and when we lived out in Georgia, and we had that house out in the country, and you look up at that sky, there's so many stars. It said the heavens declare the glory of God. You begin looking at this world and seeing the world that God created. I think we get too busy. I think people get so busy, they just say, you know, Bible, church, Bible, church, work. And they don't stop and look. I know in Texas City you can't look. But out there in Georgia, we could look up at the sky and just see all those stars. And you could see the rotation. I remember Brother Grady, he had a telescope, and he would look up at it. He said, the heavens declare the glory, glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. It's quite a thing to look at the sky and to think about the way the stars are kept in alignment. They can use the stars to go back to a certain night, and they've tried to go back to the certain night when Jesus was born to see if a star was shining brighter that night. 
and there's clockwork in it. It's not random chaos. But you look at the world, you see God's creation. It says, day unto day utter speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. No speech nor language. Look at uh, Romans chapter 1, if you will. And I know this is a softball sermon. I'm not kicking everybody today. But look at Romans chapter number 1. The same sky that they see over there across the world. The same sky that we can see at night. But in Romans chapter 1. Verse number, uh, verse number 19. It says, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. Let me go back to 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth and unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. There is no one without excuse. Verse number 20. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. And we'll stop there. Back in Romans chapter 19, there's two ways to look at this world. And, you know, there's people that profess Christ but won't give God credit for his creation. I think you're making a mistake. I think you're cutting yourself out. And then they walk and they wonder why they can't have faith. They wonder why they can't trust in God. They wonder why they can't trust God to get them through the next day. They wonder why, they, why someone else can look up and say, praise God anyhow. And they wonder how someone can walk so close to God, but they can't. But when they look at God's creation, all they see is a function of atoms. All they see is all of this and that. But all of that, even the more detailed you get, not, you know, I'm not qualified to get into the specifics. But the, the, the deeper they go and the deeper they go, I looked into this a little bit yesterday just for studying. But the deeper you go, the more complex it gets. They don't run out of complexity. And yet when they look at that, they say, this all happened by accident. Just the idea of male and female to me is complicated enough to wonder how that could happen by accident. And, and when they start to make, do experiments uh, in 1953, they put, together, they put together what they thought would be the gases at the formation of this planet. And they put all those gases together and they stuck a little lightning in there you know, something to cause it to happen, and they created amino acids. Man, the news was out all over. They said, we've created life. They've created the building blocks for life because they created the amino acids, and those are the building blocks. But then when you read a little bit more about it, you get up to this century, and they say, well, we're not even sure that was the gases that were present at the time. The guy was real careful with his experiments, but we don't know what we don't know. But we look out at this world and we can, we can give man credit or we can give God credit. A lot of people would like to write God out of the equation. And I'm telling you as a Christian, if you're writing God out of the equation of creation, you're robbing yourself of your walk with God. 
I remember driving on, I keep mentioning Georgia. Well, you know, I know there's, I know there's grass in fields in Texas, but I grew up in Texas City. <laughs> but I remember driving the back roads of Georgia and the trees are just lining the road. And I remember thinking, man, God created all this. Listening to the preaching as I was going, said no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. And Romans told us that, you know, the invisible things of God, when anyone looks out of this world, you know, it's, it's an easy statement to make. Everywhere, even isolated tribes have some kind of God that they worship. Remember when we watched Into the Spear, they were talking about jumping the boa when they died. They, man knows something created. Something created them. And when they put together building blocks and they say that these came together by accident, what they're leaping out is that there's a designer in there somewhere. You know, you can go into a part store, you can throw all those parts, all those parts, they can be put together and build a car, but you throw them in a pile, they'll never be a car. I don't know. I'm not trying to convince you. That's up to you. I'm telling you, God created this. And I'm telling you, the harder man tries, the more he proves it. A glorious creation. The heavens declare the glory of God. Job saw God's power, the power of God's creation. Look at Job chapter 26 if you'd like to. Job 26. Job was one who, you know, we talked about two different reactions this morning. Job went through all the trials. He lost his family, lost his wealth. And uh, he said, naked came out of the womb, naked I'll go back. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Give it the Lord. Take it away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Job was going to follow God no matter what. And you say, well, how can you have that kind of faith in the time of trial? How can you, how can you live through that, Job? How can you sit over there with all those sores on you and you've lost your family, you've lost your kids, you've lost all your cattle all in one day, one after another after another? His wife said, Job, just curse God and die. We look at Job chapter 26 and we see how Job looked out on creation. He said, he stretches out the north over the empty place and hangeth the earth upon nothing. How about that? He hangeth the earth upon nothing. It just happens to be sitting out there in the middle of nowhere. The oldest book in the Bible. He hangeth the earth upon nothing. He bindeth up the waters in his thick clouds and the cloud is not rent under them. He holdeth back the face of his throne and spreadeth his cloud upon it. He hath compassed the waters with bounds until the day and night come to an end. The pillars of heaven tremble and are astonished at his reproof. He divided the sea with his power and by his understanding he smiteth the proud. By his spirit he garnisheth, garnished the heavens. His hand hath formed the crooked serpent. Lo, these are parts of his ways, but how little a portion is heard of him. But the thunder of his power, who can understand? Job looked out on creation, and he said, God made this. And he gave God the glory for it. I'm telling you, as a Christian, if you look out on creation and you say, you know, God had nothing to do with that, or if you look on miracles and you say God had nothing to do with that, I say you're just you're, you're robbing your walk. And you wonder why you can't get close to God. A glorious message. Psalm 19.3 says, There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Um, 
when you begin to see God's work in the creation of this world, you begin to appreciate not only the natural beauty of his creation, but your faith will increase. If he can create this world and the heavens around it and keep them on a constant track, and you might begin to, if you understand that God can do all of that, when you start to look at your problems, kind of reminds me of the conversation I was having with someone yesterday, and they were telling me about, I've got this going on, I've got that going on, and this going on, and you're, you're talking to me about a branch. Okay. Imagine with God, he's taking care of this and that. He's taking care of that person and this person. He's got, he's got the cycles going. He's got the stars in the heaven, and we cry out to him, but he still listens to us. And we still doubt that he can answer our prayers. Matter of fact, it, it's a blessing. We got an answer to prayer this morning, just now, with Elaine going to work. She was worried. She was, it, it was upsetting. She was enjoying being back at work, and she was afraid she was going to get laid off, and here they call her out of nowhere. So Paul, over in 2 Timothy 1.12, you can go there or you can listen. He says, for the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed against him unto, again, unto him against that day. I should have memorized that one, but, but I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. When you pray and you, and you know in your heart and when you look out at the world and you say, God created that, and you see the wonder of God's creation around you, how big do your problems get after that? And how little is your faith to think that he can do all that but not answer your prayer? We also see God's work in his word. Look at uh, verse number seven. He says, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. He's talking about the word of God. God gave us a Bible it equips us for life. You know, I've read self-help books, and I, I still read them. But, you know, a lot of the things that they come up with, the Bible was talking about for 2,000 years. I'm sorry, but that's just the way it is. I read about influence friends, you know, win friends and influence people or whatnot. And he talked about being sincerely interested in others. You know, Jesus said, love one another. You know, love, love thy neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. This is the great commandment. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Being interested in other people. Jesus was telling the disciples, he said, that they'll know, (laughs) I didn't have this in front of me, they'll know that you're my disciples by, by the fact that you show love for one another. But uh, it says the law of the Lord is perfect. It converts the soul. Over in Romans 7, 7, Paul said, what should we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin, but by the law. You know, one of the, one of the greatest things I found was Ray Comfort and the way he witnesses and the way he uses the law. I remember witnessing to somebody before that, whether you know about that or not. Witnessing to somebody before that, I said, you can know before you leave here that you're going to heaven. And they'd walk away, and you weren't really sure whether they knew or not. But listen to Ray Comfort, and he talked about showing the law and showing them in the law where they've sinned. 
You know, I said, well, do you consider yourself to be a good person? Y'all have heard me give this illustration before. And everybody will generally say, well, yeah, I, I consider myself to be a pretty good person. Everybody does. They said Machine Gun Kelly, when he was facing down the FBI, he, he said, I never did anything to anybody. <laughs> Criminals will think they're a pretty good person. But then you begin to lay them up against God's law. Have you ever killed anybody? No, I hadn't. Jesus said, if whosoever is angry with his brother, committed sin. Have you ever committed adultery? No, I never, never cheated on my wife or anything. You ever looked on a woman to lust after her? Because over in John chapter 5, the Bible says, whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery already in his heart. Jesus raised the standard. See, the Pharisees were real good keeping it on the outside, but Jesus began to show them the intent of the law, not just the letter of the law, but the spirit of the law. And nobody stands up against that. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. God's word, the Lord word, the law is perfect. It converts the soul. In Galatians 3.24, it tells us, Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. The law is perfect, converting the soul. When man is faced against himself, when man is faced against what he's done, he understands his sin in front of God. And when you understand that God is a perfect God, the creator of this universe, when you understand that he's a perfect God, why would he let you in? Why? Why would he let you bring your dirty feet into his white house? Amen. But he does through his son. He said the testimony of the Lord is sure, makes wise the simple. When Peter spoke about the word, God's word is sure. Peter, Peter talked about the day they were on the Mount of Transfiguration. They were on the Mount of Transfiguration, and he saw Jesus just transfigured. He saw him glowing. He saw Moses, and he saw Elijah there with him. And he heard the voice from heaven. He heard God say, turn to Second Peter, if you will. Second Peter chapter number three. Uh, chapter number one, I'm sorry, I was reading two different lines. Chapter number one, verse number 19, verse number 16. He says, for we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven, we heard when we were with him in the Holy Mount. He heard the very word of God coming from heaven. And then look what Peter says. He said, and this voice which came from heaven, we heard when we were with him in the Holy Mount. We have also a more sure word of prophecy Whereunto you do well that you take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. And then he goes on to talk about the Bible. He said, knowing about the scriptures, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. God inspired the word. The Bible that you hold in your hand, 
is a more sure word than the very voice of God. How many times pray and just wish God would just speak to you? We have a more sure word with the Bible. Do y'all follow me on that? And then back to uh, Psalm 19. God's word is sure. You can rely on it. And you don't have to be a scholar to gain wisdom from God's word. It says the word of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. David said in Psalm 119.99, I have more understanding than all my teachers, for thy testimonies are my meditation. For, my, for thy testimonies are my meditation. You can build your life on God's word, and it'll be a sure foundation for you. One reason... People fall or backslide in their walk and fellowship with Jesus Christ because they neglect the reading of God's word. A house takes time to build. The Bible contains all the lumber, all the fixtures. Everything's stacked up there, but it takes time to build the house. Y'all follow me on that? It's like the illustration of the bicycle that comes at Christmas time. You got to stay up all night putting it together so that your kid gets the complete bike. When we get saved, we receive the Holy Spirit. We receive Jesus Christ. We're saved by the blood of the Lamb. But as we walk through this world, our feet get dirty. We need to turn to 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to cleanse us our sins and forgive us of all unrighteousness. We need to turn to God's word. And as you read God's word, there may be no change that you can perceive. But as you begin to read God's word and as you begin to earnestly Seek to read God's word and learn from it. He begins to change you in little ways. The story goes of the man who, who talked to a preacher. And he said, you know, I'm, I'm having trouble reading my Bible. He said, well, I'll tell you what, why don't you read Colossians? And he said, well, I have read it. He said, read it again. He said, well, how often should I read it? He said, read it four times a day. And he said, four times a day? He said, just do it. Read through it four times a day. Just keep doing it. You'll know when to move on. And he was reading and he reading, and he would, he would come home for lunch, and he would read. He would read in the morning. He would read in the evening, and he'd catch a little reading later on. But he'd read it four times a day. And he, it began to move on his heart, began to change him, began to, he, he just began to get so convicted about what God had said in his word and, and, and tears would flow down his face. And he looked at his wife and he said, look, I, I've worn out this part of my Bible. The pages are dirty. They're, they're tear stained. And she said, yes, but look how clean your life has gotten. Amen. God's word will change you if you let it. You don't have to be a scholar to gain wisdom from God's word. Let God build you. Matthew 7, 24 said, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a man, wise man, which built his house upon the rock, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. 1 Peter 2, 5 says, You also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. It says the statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. You know, people try over and over to reform themselves. They think, if only I can do better, and they wonder why they live a defeated life. But as you begin to read God's word when you're 
living defeated life, you're messed up. There's no joy. But when you begin reading God's word, God's statutes or his precepts or his detailed instructions concerning the practical matters of everyday life, when, the, when God gave the statutes to the Jews in the Old Testament, he gave them certain rules for eating, certain rules for dress. He gave them certain rules for handling dead animals and dead people. They were unclean. You know, in the Civil War, it was one thing to get shot. It was another thing to make it through the hospital after the battle. Because you'd see that doctor in there, and he had, he had ten people's blood on him. Filthy hands, unwashed, unclean. But in the Bible, centuries and centuries ago, God was telling the Jews they were unclean when they'd handled a dead body, and they had to be set aside. And when someone had leprosy, they had to be put outside the camp. He had quarantine in the Bible. He had those statutes and those precepts set up to protect them. Not eating shellfish. You know, I worked in the Bay Camp. That crab meat, you know, it, if the crab was dead, you had to make sure it wasn't getting handed out or getting sold. That crab had to go over, over the side because as soon as he'd die, that his, his organs would begin to leach off. It created an acid. It would poison the meat inside the crab. You couldn't have a dead crab. Same thing with lobster. The Bible has rules for the, the Jews weren't allowed to eat shellfish. Just things like that. So these statutes are right, straight, upright, morally and ethically right. But how did God's statutes bring joy to the heart? They do it through direction. When you come to a point in your life to make a decision and you've been reading God's word all along, you kind of have an idea which way to go. Should I go into business with this guy? Well, I don't know. The Bible says not to be unequally yoked. But God's word gives us direction about not being unequally yoked with someone. So in that instance, you weigh it against God's word. You pray about what to do. God's word gives us direction for those moments in our life. What about getting married? How many, how many young women got married? And Miss Judy, don't say nothing here. But uh, how, how many young women got married expecting to change their husbands? I could say that because they've been married so long expecting to change it, he'll, he'll get better. He'll be a better person. But with who's, who, what changed, Charlie? God, you got saved. <laughs> but, you know, God's direction in what we do and how we move forward in things. And it shows us what sin is. You know, Paul said, I had not known lust until the Bible told me, until God's law showed me what lust is. When we read God's word, you know how many people are walking around saying, me and the man upstairs have an understanding? They haven't read the Bible. How many people go about their life and they say, well, you know, when I get up there and I'm going to, you ever come up with all kinds of excuses before you get pulled over about how you're going to handle the ticket? People make up all they want about God until the Bible stands up against you. You stand before God on the day of judgment, all that reasoning and all that stuff that you made up, it doesn't count for anything. Did you know my son? Apart from me, I never knew you. Did you know my son? Is your name written in the book, Lamb's Book of Life? I'm going to wind this up a little bit because we're running short on time. But he says... 
The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. When you're right with God, there's nothing that makes you gladder. You know, you go to church and the preacher gets on you. I've been in church where they're tan your hide in church. I mean, where, you know, that just, you, you will feel like a small person. But I tell you what, when you know that God's just cleaning you up, you grip the pew and say, Lord, I'm sorry. There's nothing to beat the kind of joy in your heart to know you're right with God, to know that you are protected in the sun, that you know you're covered under the blood. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. You know, Esau sold his birthright in the Old Testament. He he wanted some pottage. He was hungry, and he sold his birthright for it. You know, in the New Testament, there's a fellow that sold. He he walked with Jesus. He sold the word of God for 30 pieces of silver. David never sold the word of God. He said, said, moreover, to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Over in 119.72, he said, The law of thy mouth is better unto me than thousands of gold and silver. Therefore, I, in 127, he says, uh, Therefore, I love thy commandments above gold, yea, above fine gold. David wouldn't trade anything in the world for God's commandments, for God's love. When you begin to see God work in the world and his work in his word, you'll also see God's word above anything else and God's work in your walk. Uh, Verses 11 through 14, he says, Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. Uh, Philippians 1, 6, Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it. Until the day of Jesus Christ. God's word, how does it work in us? It warns us. It warns us about sin. It warns us about judgment to come. It warns us about sheep or wolves among sheep. It it warns us about all kinds of dangers. It warns us about falling, about backsliding. Remember in Peter when we did that Bible study? He was warning them over and over again. If you do these seven things, you'll keep from falling. You'll never fall. And he wanted to warn them again and again. Gives understanding of your errors, shows you where you mess up, cleanses you of faults you don't even realize you have. He said, uh, who can understand, verse number 12, who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. There's things you may not even realize. You know, Job, when every, he would offer sacrifices for things that his kids might have done right then. He was offering sacrifices can keep you from sinning on purpose. Verse 13, he says, Keep thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright, and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Knowing God created this universe, you know that he can answer your prayers. You also know that his judgment's right. You got enough faith in God for the creation. You got enough faith in God to trust his word. You begin to doubt his creation, you begin to doubt his word, I think. Innocent from the great transgression. He says, and then shall I be upright and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. You know the greatest transgression you can have is to ignore Jesus Christ. 
He stands there, arms out, nail-pierced hands, saying, this I did for you. He died on the cross for our sins. Have you accepted him as your Savior? Have you turned your life over to him? I know somebody's witness to everybody at some point. And there's some people that openly mock Jesus Christ, but has there ever been a point when you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior? I look out here, you know, I see a few faces, but I never want to fail to make the, make the connection. How many people sat in church for years? So when you begin to see God's hand and everything through the lens of faith, you begin to see the work of God in this world, in his word, and you let him work in your walk, then the words of Psalm 19 become more than just words on a page in some book. When you read the words of Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day utter speech and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where his voice is not heard. Those words jump off the page and they become a song on your lips and in your heart. Amen. While she plays.